Hello, your listeners. We're up to episode 16 of the Atkins Labcast. You're listening to Paul Sitting Atkins and... Kate Atkins in a very loud chair and... No, this is going to go on forever. Yeah. No, it's because I just scared him. Why did I scare him? Why did I scare the puppy? This the is puppy a had poo on his butt and I had to clean the poo off his butt. Well, you're classy. Can you say something in there? He's, he's, he's sniffing. sniffing the mic. Hang on, let me... If I take a photo, get the yes. camera out. What are we going to do with that? Well, the, we don't have a photograph of Luke Simon, so... Oh, we put a photograph of Brian May on there instead. Yeah, <laughs> Brian May. We say Brian May because the dog's And now haircut. everyone's saying that he just looks like me because it's the long curly hair. Well, he does look like his you. his ears are too long and curly. But when he came back from the puppy parlour, he looked like Brian May. He did. He's Ridiculous so hair. He's my beautiful Brian May. All right, I'll put you hair. on the ground. Nice to piss on in your office. So, is this this having a wonderful? I don't I don't want him to wee in the office. Well, I don't think there's much you can do about it. Is this in honor of our wonderful guest that we've just got coming up for this episode that you are all going to listen to? That we're having the dog in here. No, it's because I wanted the dog in here. Okay, well that's nice. Luke is a separate issue entirely. <laughs> well, let's talk about Luke then. How about so that? So, Luke, what lovely Luke. Luke, Luke has such the. Um, like, he, he gives me such a feeling of, like, complete calm and relaxed competence. Yeah, he does. And I think that's a big part of his, his the thing he brings to his clients mm. as well, that he's got this confidence and he knows what he's doing and he's, um yeah. And I don't think that's age-related. I mean, let's face it, he looks fucking amazing for his age. So, you know. A bit like can, me? Yeah. Exactly, exactly like With you. With the same guns? The same guns, the same sort of triathlete body. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, <laughs> try something body. Try, <laughs> try anything body. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Try no, Rocky Road at the moment. Try Rocky Road. Eat Rocky Road like it's a piece of toast. That's, no, I didn't. I that's your a, Rocky Road consumption. I just had a tiny piece of Rocky Road. Mm -hmm. I did. What about the last lot of Rocky Road? Well, you just, ate that like a piece of one. toast. We're talking about the current <laughs> one that I got for my birthday, which was yes. last week. Yes. You're now officially an old man. We've yes, been, you've been 50. waiting 50 years to be 50. I'm 50. Finally, you're 50. I'm 50. So let's talk about Luke. Luke. Lovely Luke. And, and business models and International Wedding Photographer of the Year. Yeah. And I like we sponsored that for a bunch of years and we I, – I, I think the – I think it's interesting, like, I, was, I didn't realise you could actually put any photo you've ever taken in it. That's right. And I think that's a, an interesting thing. I think, though, I, I think for the sake of the relevance of the competition, you've got to be really careful of that stuff because yeah, people yeah. have got some great stuff from the past. But is it going to look current if it's not a current image? Well, and maybe that's part of the winningness of it is that it, timeless is timeless timeless no sort of like a really good but, image but is wedding timeless? is fashion and you know that you know when someone's wedding is this year and versus five years ago it's really obvious because the styles change so much i suppose but a beautiful image of emotion is that regardless of what they're wearing no true 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 i don't know I yeah don't know. I, th I don't know i've always been concerned about competitions that that are not talking about currency with as the rules, but yeah. But the, one of the things I've you not seen anything come out of international wedding photography year that doesn't look great. No, they are all fucking amazing shots. But you don't. The, the thing that's you talk about in the podcast is that there's not the thing that we don't have an awards show for is often the thing that makes you a successful wedding photographer, which is your relationship with clients and how you um, how you 
sort of work with your clients as a person and as them as people and how they <coughs> select you and all the rest of it. That that and that I mean that's something you and I have been talking about since the dawn of time. Is there should be like a you know like the Telstra Businesswoman of the Year or whatever they have that that thing where it's you know they go into your books and they you know all that stuff so like that's been the thing that is never really looked at in like the AIPP awards and and whatever they do overseas which is similar no one assesses any of that in photography and it's really it's really complicated side of it but that actually came up because Luke was saying I'm an average photographer you know he doesn't think he's a good wedding photographer no, yeah, well, his stuff's whatever. great and he was a wedding photographer of the year for South Australia yeah. and yeah. he's always done well at the national so we'll just leave his his bullshit modesty himself. to to the to yeah. the yeah, yeah that the fact matter. is he's got a good business because he knows that the the heart of of a a, a trust based business which is wedding photography yeah, the but trust it, that you're going to burn <laughs> is so, is to be trustworthy you know? But it's also an artist-based business, and whenever it's the, as in it's a sole trader, sole person. When it's whenever you have that, whether you're a hairdresser or a um, or a or a, he's not peeing. Just leave him. He's fine. He's fine. Everything's washable, dude. Just, just you know, baby, come here. What do you do? Come here to mama. Let's get back on the topic. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so come here to mama. Give her, baby. He just sits there. He's so fucking dumb. He just sits there going, oh, I'm so excited she's talking to me, but he doesn't fucking move. Anyway, um, I think whenever you're in that, like, individual person is the business, you it is very much based on who you are and what you are and what you look like and what you do and how you do it and how you talk to people. That's the same if you're a hairdresser, if you're a nail technician, if you're an uh, artist, if you're a a jeweler, like there's so many jobs out there that are based on the actual individual person and a large proportion of what they do is based on their personal identity, their personal brand, their personal who they are. Um, And photography is no different. No, it isn't. And how do you feel his physical space works for him having a a place? Well, I can't talk about that because I'm deeply embarrassed because I went over there and went, oh, my God, you should do this, this and this. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I went, cool, and ran out of time and didn't do anything. So, oh, you're going to help him out. Yeah, right? I was going to help him out. It's a great space. It's a great space. Well, what does it doesn't need anything? Just doing. needs a bit of tweaking. Just needs a bit of shuffling around and putting stuff up. But he's like a lot of photographers where um, he's busy. He's busy. I mean, he says he's, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, but he's busy. Busy running a business and that's that thing of running the business versus doing all that extra stuff you'd like to do on the side. I mean, I have the same problem. But um, I think it's interesting that he is choosing to look at doing things outside of a traditional business um, model to try and – a traditional photography business model to try and uh, extend his life in the industry and what he chooses to do. And um, obviously moving into more commercial work and other kinds of work is, is smart as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there are a whole host of different ways of doing it, and depends on what your what you what you enjoy and what your niche is in terms of what you actually like in photography. Some people it is that like sit in a room and nut out an image, um, which commercial guys do a lot of, or some some of it's more the people stuff, so you do different kind of commercial work, and some of it's actually just creative stuff, so they end up being designers or. Marketeers, yeah. or and, and look, f- <coughs> frankly, wedding is fashion, and you know if you like if you like fashion, uh, and you like working with people, he'll do a great job of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, does and it's he, editorial, and it's you know it, it's all sorts of things. Yeah, he's um, I think 
Yeah, and he. There's a lot of opportunities also in a small town like Adelaide where you can really, you know, you can you can turn and do different things. You don't get locked into one yeah. aspect of stuff. You can you can twist your business around to do something different. I mean, I think that's partly why we've been successful is because we're a small group and able to go, hey, you know what? Now we're doing this and and right. and change a bit. Um, that's right. But well, yeah. shall we commend these wonderful people to listen to to Luke? I think we could. We can do that. What are we doing after that? We're going to pat the dog. Here's my baby. We do our moment of colour. Frankinator. Frankinator. Well, We're everybody. We're going to put photos up of the Frank being a beautiful boy. We will oh, put the photos up of the Frank. Boy, is it those beautiful boys. Hope you guys enjoy episode 16, which is... You're right. You got it. But if you come around to see me... Yeah, no. Yep. You gotta do that. Yeah. I saw um who's that fabulous she was in the she's a gorgeous actress and she mm-hmm. it does this great insta- Instagram. That story. narrows it down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forget about it. But she was demonstrating <laughs> microphone technique. And right. It was a bit too much. Right. She got a bit phallic with it. Please, Kate, don't keep this in, okay? No, Kate. I was Kate in charge of the editing. She edits. <laughs> okay. So here we go. So we'll get it going? Let's. Okay, I'm here in person with Luke Simon for the Atkins Labcast, and I'm super grateful to have you here, Luke. Welcome. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here, mate. Timing is perfect, really, for you to be here because... I've got uh, nothing else to do. <laughs> none of us have got <laughs> anything to do. There's that. But also, uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, but one of the things we're going to talk about is the International Wedding Photographer of the Year, which is yep. a... Uh, I assume people know that you're behind it. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of... And you're okay with people knowing that? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I sort of just, um, I suppose I'm the curator, for want of a better word. And then then there's a team of about five or six of us, depending on what needs to be done, that um, all help out in the background and keep things moving. And yeah, so it's good fun. Yeah, the only reason why I ask is, it's like one of these things, if you're a... If you're like already a great wedding photographer, what's the story about running a competition sure. to encourage other wedding photographers, which are your competition, a competition of competition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I guess it's it's sort of all sort of stemmed from having been, um, you know, someone who's often seeing a lot of great wedding imagery across Instagram and, and different platforms as well and um, – just, I just think that I just thought there was so much that's not being seen by people, um, oh, right. and ha- also from the judging point of view, in terms of having been involved with the Australian Institute of Professional Photography, the AIP. Yeah, you're 2019 Wedding Photographer of the Year, aren't you? In South, in Australia, South Australia, yeah, yeah. But um, in in terms of the judging side of things as well, I really got a kick out of out of the judging and 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 gaining that appreciation of what makes a an image better than another image and um, obviously that's all subject to whoever's judging it as well. So, yeah, just sort of building a platform for people to be able to um, sort of get a bit of growth in their business as well in terms of, you know, them being able to take that away and, and use that in a marketing sense um, of being, you know, having those awards and that certainly helped me uh, being able to to market to that to that um, award-winning yeah. sort of side of things. Um, but... As much as anything, it's really just that growth side of it as well. Just being able to have someone critique your work and and sort of take that feedback away and and grow and and improve. So, so part of the process because I'm not 
you know, overly familiar with it, but part of the process of the International Wedding Photography Year is a critiquing side of it. Yeah, it? so I mean, in the first couple of years, that hasn't been a huge element to it. Um, it's it's been, the, yeah, it's a it's a tricky platform to create to allow that to happen 100%. really well because you know you can either have a checkbox system where there's five different comments that the judges can use, but then of course there's going to be times when there's nothing that really describes the reasoning behind. Uh, judging an image a certain way so we're working on that at the moment to become more of a part of the post results side of things where cool. we get get the judges back in together and and sort of especially now where we're all using a lot more of the zoom and and yeah we're getting good at kind it. Of, yeah yeah exactly so the idea there will be that we can maybe do that post results where people can basically say hey listen i'd love to get some more feedback on my imagery so that's certainly something that we're looking at for the future and yeah. for, this, for this year. So, so yeah. I've I've now I've been through a cycle of uh, of kind of I suppose belief would be a, a word. Um, I, I'm I'm questioning competitions in my brain. Yep. Uh, now, only only reason I say that is because uh, you know you know how much I love the AIPP Australian Institute of Professional Photography, and I know you do too. Mm-hmm. We're both at a similar level of understanding that. But I feel in some ways that the competition side of the AIPP has put such a burden on the organisation as a whole that it stops it being something more than a place to have a competition. Now, I know yep. you've started, I'm not being critical in any way of the International Wedding Photography of the Year that you've, you've started, mm-hmm. but I was starting to, to process how important is it to the AIPP that, that we do have the awards and the competitions? Mm. Like, has it been good for you marketing-wise? Do you think has it been a has it been a thing? Because I know that's what you, one of the things you're just talking about. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm just I'm curious. Yeah, I, I think it's certainly um, from a business to client point of view. Yeah. I think it's certainly great for for couples. You know, there's there's certain I suppose there's probably some bragging rights for those couples as much as anything to say, oh yeah, we've got such and such who's an award-winning photographer. And I mean, I, but I don't think that's the be all and end all. Obviously, you've got to be working with someone that you love working with, whose imagery you love, and um, yeah. So, has it been a big driver behind it? Not necessarily, but um, it it certainly helps to have that kind of that that side of you know that award winning sort of title, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like to think of it a bit bit of a sport. Yeah, you don't have to play sport, but it's good for you to yeah. go out and yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think the sport of competition entry and i think it's great if you've got the headspace for it and yep. and the and the inclination to do it yeah and, and it's certainly been a great process for me in terms of running the awards um in terms of the connections that i've made with other photographers as well and trying to build that community around around the industry because you know we're a lot of us work in our own little studies in our own homes and don't get to connect a lot with other photographers. So trying to build that side of, of the awards as well is, is something that's big so that it's not just about the print, the, the entry side of things and winning. It's, yeah. it's about being able to communicate and connect with other photographers as well across platforms. I, I think that's it. And I think we all kind of forget, like the critical side of me forgets that the, the thing you get out of pre-award stuff post-award stuff where you get together and you get to talk about work. And then when you yep. get invited to be a judge, I think it's probably one of the biggest growth moments when you start mm. having to put words to what you're seeing in front of you. Yeah, it's scary. And those words bounce around your head when you go shooting again. They, yeah. They, they're there. And, it, and I think it does up your game. 
yep. I, I think there is that element to absolutely. it. Absolutely. It changes the way you look at whatever you're going to be shooting, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and how you're going to process an image. Um, like I caught up with Ollie, uh, Ollie Sansom um, the other week and we looked at a couple of his images and, and just to, to look at how he, uh, I suppose, manipulates an image to tell the story that he wants it to tell or to, to be truthful to that to that moment kind of thing. So that was a really, really good thing to be able to do for me. And I think that's the kind of stuff that people can definitely take away and, and work on their own imagery with. Yeah. So and that collaboration and that uh, sharing of your ideas and that kind of stuff, uh, I think that's what we want to see people doing. There's, out of all yeah, this. there's so many people with so much talent and so many uh, different um, approaches to to how they run their business and and I think sort of building that community around that side of things and you know we're all in this together um you know that's a whole nother conversation I guess in terms of everything that's going on at the moment in the world with with COVID and um being able to help each other out is just such a rewarding thing as well so you know if we can if we can help in some way with that with this with this awards program then that's kind of what we're all about that's Um, great yeah, so and it, it also just fills up my winter when I'm when I'm a bit quieter. So, well, you must be. Let's just let's hang on the pandemic thing for a sec. Yeah, because it's it's worth talking about. What's happened to you? Uh, so my wedding business yeah. is, um, you know, everyone's moving their wedding dates from from later this year into next year. So, okay. you know, that's had a big impact on on cash flow. Um, but we're all familiar with the ups and downs and the roller coaster ride that is self-employment so you know that side of things has been tricky um and that's where diversification i guess and and having other things to keep you busy are so important as well so um while you know i don't get paid an income from running the awards it, it certainly helped keep me busy and keep to me kept me uh, motivated to continue doing what i'm doing so because yeah. they kind of work that's it's online it, yep. it works it's kind of built for pandemic conditions really isn't it yeah hopefully obviously the wedding part of it yes is, is a, bit, a bit less so but <laughs> the entries yes yeah um but and i think that's probably been a bit of a hurdle because they're important that they're current right well no see that's the thing you can okay. enter awards that are five years old it uh, images that are five so years maybe old. it isn't other than the cost of entry maybe yeah. it isn't important that, no. that there's yeah. no weddings happening and it's just communicating that I think getting that ad- across to people that hey, right. by the way, you don't have to have shot this in the last twelve months. Yeah. You know, you can you can go back through your archives, and I hope that's what people people will be doing. You know. Well, it's, yeah, it's a perfect opportunity, and that's what we've seen. I mean, uh, yeah, with a your lot business, of a lot less productive yeah. than they thought they'd be, but at least you could be digging through your five star images in Lightroom. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose how's that been with you guys here? Have you? Yeah, been, it's been great. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I say that with with glee, but it's for a sheer gratefulness that. People haven't been completely unproductive in lockdown. They've been thinking about print orders. They've been thinking about interior decor. They've been thinking about rediscovering archives, you know, going through it. And I think yeah. that's that's the time. And I don't think it's a lack of productivity. I think this is something people naturally do in their downtime. They go yep. pull out a photo album. They go, oh, my God. And then they lead to the pictures they've been taken recently mm-hmm. or the pictures they took last year even. Because we all – we take – let's say we take a thousand pictures a year, that quickly becomes 5,000. You forget to look at them year on year. And how do you look through 5,000? And so <laughs> Most of us wedding photographers do that every week. I know, but yeah. you think about the average, you look at your phone. I mean, how many pictures, oh. when do you review your phone pictures? 
So no, I, no. I know what you mean mm. about wedding films. You've got a particular skill that is around curation and rapid curation of pictures. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of you sort of learn in time. Yeah. What's important and what's not. And I sp- I think that also refines the way you shoot as well, so that you can kind of reduce potentially the numbers that you do bring home from a wedding. So has has does that happen really? Have you have you found that you are shooting less now you've your skill levels have, have have gr- grown yeah i would i would say so yeah. yeah less spray and pray a little bit more kind of methodical but also um knowing what the client is going to actually want getting that feedback from your clients to you know and and in over the years having been through the process with couples for them to to choose the images that they want to pop into their albums and things like that you start to get a sense for what what is really important and what's key to those to to couples so you kind of shoot a little bit more to to those those sort of flavors, I guess. So I'm curious about that that last comment. How often do you find that the what the couples are looking for? How does that differ from what you might see as an award entry? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, um, a lot of the candid reportage style imagery is what I find certainly resounds the most with with couples and um you know they they want those those key moments that they've missed because they've been so engrossed in whatever they're doing on their wedding day that they haven't seen all of these other little moments going on in the background so you know that time where you get to separate from the couple and and just sort of float around and and capture those candid candid moments of people just having a great time at that couple's wedding is what they want to look back on um and so I guess that comes back also to the wedding awards and having categories that cover all of those right. different parts of a wedding day because obviously there's there's the big key hero epic moments on hilltops and things that we've all seen that are amazing and they're you know they're they're inspiring and uh, they it's easy to get caught up in the the magnitude and the magnificence of those images but then there's also moments where you know, it could be the little kid in the corner that's crying because they didn't get the wedding cake or whatever yeah. it might be that um, are also just as key. And sometimes to those to those couples, they're even more important. Um, and so having having those categories within the awards that also awards those moments and having them judged fairly against those epic moments uh, is, is really That's important. a challenge. Yeah. Like that's one of the hardest things I've found with judging is... Yeah. And, that, and I asked you, and it was kind of a... Uh, like a tricky question because I know quite often that the stuff that wins awards does is not a part of the sales process. Correct. Yeah, uh, and that's why I have struggled a little bit of like I'm I'm I'd love to think that the an, an award would encourage would encourage the photographer to be a better person, a better person to deal with. And I know one of mm-hmm. the reasons why you get so much work and you're such a a well-respected photographer is the relationship you form with your couples. And it's not so much about the pictures that you're making. No. Is it? No. Like I'm I'm pretty average photographer, wedding photographer. Come I think. on, you're a bit more than average. No, but no, no, seriously. Like, you know, in This in is like being humble, everyone. He's actually an <laughs> award-winning photographer. In the traditional sense of awards where photographers look at their own work and don't consider your business side of it, you've actually got some great work, okay? Okay. So, okay. Oh, <laughs> so I'll tell you to shut up on that one. But it's not the thing that I, I don't think it's a big part of your success personally. No, personally, I agree. Um, you know, I coming from a hospitality background before being a, right? a photographer. Yeah, you know, 
making coffees and pouring beers and all those fun things. Um, that built such a, um, I think, a base, a foundation for what goes into being a, a personable person on a wedding day and being able to relate to all different demographics and ages and, you know, socioeconomic groups. And um, I think that is a massive part of what we do as photographers and pressing the button and is, is a small, small element to it. Well, certainly for my, my standard of photography anyway, um, you know, so much of the days is not about the photography. It's about the, the moments you put people into, I guess, or the, the, that you let happen naturally around you. And, and that's kind of what you're photo- there to photograph. That's kind of how, what I feel my job is as a wedding photographer, not to necessarily create magnificence all the time, but just to let whatever's going on on that day. And obviously, you know, give insight into how to time their day best to, to make the most of their day or, um, you know, just be there to just to be a decent human being yeah. as well as photograph whatever's going on, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the actual photography side of it, I think, is like 10 to 15% of what we do. Right, wow. Personally, but that's, no, no, that's I, just my opinion. I think, I think you're kind of right. I mean, what, I'd love to ask, where are the awards for that? Like, yeah, yeah. That's what I want to see encouraged mm. is, is this the way you look after people and the way that, I mean, that's what we're, that makes a great wedding photographer, uh, yeah. You know, and I don't know how that's ever done. I mean, the Tel- there's Telstra Business Awards. I always think about that. Yeah, uh, but us, us blokes aren't real great at sort of doing that stuff. No, I find. No. I don't know whether I'm generalising there, but and it's not, and it gets so complicated. How how would you ever meet to that? Like, what do you do? Mystery shoppers? Do you yeah? Do you point, interview yeah. past clients? It's like yeah. I don't know, but I suppose you you certainly get that sense from. I suppose just putting myself in the shoes of the couple or the parents of the couple. Now that I'm at the age, the ripe old age that I am, and you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that far off. My, you know, it might be ten years, and my kids might be in the same position where they're oh, getting wow. married. You know, you got two boys, right? Yep. Yeah. How eight, old are your boys? Eight and twelve. Eight and twelve, right? Yeah. So they're in the hot yeah. spot. Yeah. So for ten years, huh? Yeah, for ten years' time. And so Henry and George. That's it, mate. That's right. You know why I English know names. that? Because my nephews are Henry and George. Oh, there you go. Twins. Done. They are. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. How old are they? Kate's sister, Isabel. So they're like two or three or something like that. Yeah, they're right. tiny. Anyway, yeah. Just moving around like yeah. a crazy person. Not so. But yeah, so I suppose just being, putting myself in the shoes of those parents and how I would feel on that day and then working backwards from there. You know, how am I going to make their day seamless right. or uh, comfortable? And, you know, it's not often that couples hire a photographer. So breaking down those barriers about what it is that we actually do um, and educating them just based on the personality that we present via, whether it's via our social media or a phone call, just to to get across that we're we're just normal people. We just happen to have a camera and we're here to kind of make the experience of your wedding day just bloody great fun. Because it's... Like it's fashion for amateurs. It's, it's. I, I think it's one of the most challenging moments. And look, there are good-looking people, and mm. they naturally have good-looking friends and family, and they know the style and they know how to do it. Yep. But that's not a lot of the wedding couples. Most wedding couples are 
falling into a day with great expectations. Mm-hmm. They don't understand it. You're the only person with them the entire day yep. who has the experience to understand what a wedding mm. is and how it works. At most, they may have been to three or four yep. and been involved with three or four. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a brutal operation. And I think you're like, you're riding a knife's edge when you do it. You're, it's like, a, like, I always think of, um, Clint Eastwood uh, in Unforgiven, there's a gunfight, and he's the guy standing up when everyone's ducking because bullets are flailing, and he's yeah, just yeah. taking aim and taking the shot. Yeah. And I always think that a great wedding photographer is like a gunfighter. They're walking into a real mess, yeah. and they're the cool, calm person standing up in the middle yeah. directing the things. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you've if you've put the work into your couple before the day, right. then they're potentially also standing there with you as those people that are just yep. taking aim. Um, because they've they've been set at ease, you know, knowing that they can trust the professionals that they've enlisted, whether it's the photographer or another supplier type, that they have paid you well to do your job well and that they can just let the day happen around them. Yeah. And that's kind of that's one of the key messages I try to get across to couples. Yeah. Well I think I think that's a big part of it and and I'd say again, I want to see the awards for that. I wanna see yeah. I wanna see that recognized yeah. and celebrated because if I was a if I was young and thinking about getting married and all that sort of stuff, I'd be wanting, wanting to find that photographer. Mm. Okay, and well, I'll, I'll try to work out how I can fit that into the awards, <laughs> I'm mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just did the same thing to Lacey Barrett about her birth photography awards, which she's, she's been wanting to kick off. And and she's facing the same thing. She believes right. the same thing as me. She wants to encourage that behaviour. Uh, in a similar tricky time to be waving a camera around and waving a personality around mm-hmm. amongst people in a difficult situation. Yeah, You want to be sympathetic to it and... So how do you help that? But look, it's yeah. it's a bigger thing and a different kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, th- I don't know how that works. So you've got a physical space I- I- for for seeing clients in? I do, yeah. So I'm based um, just south of the city yeah. um, in a little group of shops and it's a lovely little space. Um, it's it's sort of changing shape a little bit at the moment given everything that's going on. And not and a no lot one of, turns up to it. No, yeah, there's, there's actually no one there to, uh, to meet with. But... Um, yeah, so I sublease some of that space and it's becoming more of a shared sort of office space now. Um, so if there's anyone out there who's looking for space, please contact <laughs> me. <some. laughs> That's yeah. a tough one uh, because I'm sure you worked up to that. Th- there has been a uh, an ebbing of the tide of that as an idea for, mm. I don't know, five years where people are get all bailing on, on it working on from home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or not shared space, but having a physical space separate from their home that is yes. their business. And you, like, you're in it. You've got that space running. Yeah, uh, you know it's gorgeous. You've done so much that other people haven't. I'm wondering whether because there's no one in that space, you've had a great benefit from having that space. You know? Oh, it's certainly definitely been helpful over this period of time where we've had the lockdown because I've been able to still separate myself from my home life yep. and take myself away from that and just focus on my work. While yeah. I'm, and that's kind of why I've got that space as much as any headspace. Yep. Yeah, and just being able to switch off from family stuff, you know. So, you, in the same breath, are you afraid of losing that? Considering everything that's going on, that you won't then have that separation if you get forced to go back home. Oh, yeah, it's a tough one because obviously you you can save money by not being in a space, yep. um, but then you lose other things. So it's just weighing up the pros and cons. I really need to sit down and write a bit of a list of of what's important and why. Yeah, but um, I'd, I'd certainly see value in having a space for clients to be able to meet. Yeah. And to see stuff on hanging on the walls, um, and be able to flick through albums and yeah. see your character within a space, 
they could do that by coming to your home as well, but it's pretty but hard when you've got, like you got kids and clean it up and yep. keep everyone quiet and yep. seeing people after hours. Yeah, I started like that, but um, yeah, I was, I was I mean, most people did, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, and a lot of people still do. A lot of guys still shoot, um, sort of, sorry, not shoot, work from yeah. like a home office or a separate sort of studio space. On oh, the but it can be done totally, absolutely. And yeah. I think by my question, I, I didn't want to sound like it's a fearful thing to lose it uh it's just something you do when you get on with it you change and you yep. pick up the next thing and yeah it'll be the it'll be the my last option i think to lose it i wouldn't yep. want to because it is great to have that separation and to actually be able to chat with some other folk that are in the same space with you and sort of bounce ideas or you know show them something to get some feedback and so yeah being quite a social person as well it'll be it'll be tough to lock myself away in a little office i think yeah uh, so yeah that will be tricky. See how that space watch that watch this space. I watch guess. the space. Yeah. Well, we've also over the years. I've, I mean, you talk about having this physical space, but I think you've had a really impressive online presence through great search engine optimization, which mm-hmm. is a is a black art. And I remember for years there was other photographers, friends of yours, that you guys were sort of competing for first rank in Google, and uh-huh. and you and I know they keep changing the rules on SEO. Yep. Uh, how how important has it been and and is it still as important as it was? To be honest, I have not looked at where I sit in the Google ranking side of things for five years, really? probably. Yeah. But that was the that what you were chasing that were you? Early on, yeah, definitely. Um and it might have been partially by accident, but I was actually in a different share space and one of the guys there was a business coach. And oh. I just had a chat with him about SEO and and sort of from that I think it was then, or maybe it was even before that, when I set up my first website, was a, a WordPress blog. Yep. And so unawares of the value that came with, with blogging, yep. um, I think that's where it all began. And then I sort of worked from that with, as I gained a bit more of an understanding of, of what, what is good SEO and what, what is important when Google is scanning your site or crawling your site. Um, there's been times where I've done that really well. There's been times where I haven't done it so well. But, um, yeah, it, it was certainly a big thing for me early on. And I think there's still definitely relevance to it. Um, I think it's really important. Like I see now that I've probably fallen by the wayside on that a lot in terms of I reckon I can pin it down to when Instagram really started kicking off where uh, I, my, right. sh- my focus shift. And you went, were right on top of that, were you? On top of on Instagram as no. a as a product? Oh no, not as really. As an opportunity? No, not really. So, but I think that's where I kind of thought I needed to be. Right. And so I let the the blogging slip and that side of things sort of fall away. And straight away, you you know you see how that affects you in terms of SEO and Google, um, because Google doesn't scan through Instagram, you know. So no, no. But Facebook and Instagram are hooked up. Massive. Yeah. Uh, so. I know you you muddle with Facebook advertising too. Yep. Um, tell me, h- how does that work for you, and is that a thing that people should be fa- focusing on? I don't do it personally. Yep. Um, and I don't do it for my wedding photography business. Obviously, with the wedding competition, yep. we we need to try to get that message out there to and to get to, to build the awareness. Um, so I'm working with a, a company out of Queensland. Yep. And he. I just sort of, I just handballed it to him. And that, would you think that's the way to do it? I uh, definitely, 
Yep. Yeah, it's complicated, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and he's 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 a champion. Uh, gravitate media for anyone that's looking for <laughs> it. Uh, his name's Saxon. He's just a lovely guy, and yeah. he's he's just super passionate, and he's just helped set that up from from the ground up, and really looked at, um, you know, what's what are people looking for when they're searching for wedding photography awards and things like that. So it's still it still um, pivots around all of the same kind of concepts of of it as as SEO does, but just in a different framework, I guess. So I've left that to him um, and I've just sort of focused more on the content of what it is that I think people might want to hear about and see. Um, And I need to do the same thing with my wedding photography business, but I've certainly noticed a shift in, you know, the people who have continued to blog and continue to um, write interesting things that brides want to read about or other photographers want to read about and how that affects their Google ranking. It's definitely still, it's definitely still something that people need to keep on top of, I think. Well, you're still posting both Instagram and Facebook. So in some ways you, you, that is blogging, right? It's just a different kind of blogging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you think then perhaps you might just go back and put it on your site first and, or do you do that already? And then copy paste it straight into those other. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think where, where the the um, the journey needs to kind of follow that, right. that that sort of you know you need to use Instagram and Facebook to point back to the content that you've that you've built on your website. So I still think it's really important. Whereas what I was doing in the past was just, oh God, I haven't put something on Instagram. I should put something up on Instagram, and it would it would be something that had no call to action. It didn't didn't point anyone to anywhere else. So and I think that's where. Being a photographer, you know, that 15% of it that might be taking the photograph of the other 85%, I think a, a large portion of that is around how to to raise awareness about your brand through Instagram and Facebook and yeah. blogging and web, web work and all that kind of stuff. There's only so much that you can afford to have someone else do for so, you. So, yeah, well, totally. I mean, the the channels and using them is one thing but the content is entirely yours and the attitude and the whole mm. objective of that is just is to meet is basically virtually meet people. personality yeah yeah to, to, so they understand who luke is before yeah so you get that phone call they they kind of know who, that you that you're that person you. yeah 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 um and you're going to yeah. be you know connecting with someone yeah. that likes you already yeah and some people do that exceptionally well and then there's others of us who are just a bit messy with it all that need to have a bit more of a clear sort of tactical focus i guess on that side of things as well and how you want to get that that personality across or maybe that is what you want to get across that you're just not across at all and you're just happy just kind of flying along and you know you're easygoing and you know you don't have that strategy sometimes not having a strategy can be your strategy i guess oh right well i think maybe that's what i'm going there's people i feel that do that like and they're I think in many ways they're happy accidents that they, mm. they get things done, but there's got to be some advantage in structuring it. And, Definitely, oh, and, yeah, because um, we're all not that person. Nope. Uh, and very and those that are that person, you don't particularly want to know them. Yeah, the bastards. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're robots. Yeah, you know, exactly. That kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, like other photographers' working life, how much do you think you're injecting into this sort of marketing side of things? How much energy do you feel proportionate wise? Um, 20% maybe? Yeah, that's what I'd be guessing, 20, 30%, somewhere. Yeah. Which is, like, it seems unnatural, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and if you're a young photographer starting out and you look at mm. what do I need to do, yep. everyone's like, oh, I've got to get this camera sorted, I've got to get this technique yes. sorted, I need yep. these presets, I need these filters, I need yep. 
they need this and you don't need that no. really, do you? So much of it is, is, is getting the right business structures in place that um, I suppose feed off each other, whether that's from your, you know, we were talking before we came on, on air about about zero and bookkeeping and how that's a large part of running a business. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Critical. I love it. Oh, yeah. I just I just get a real kick out of how that when it's that working, operates. It's beautiful, yeah, when isn't it's it? working, when it's not, it's fucking boring. <laughs> but um, yeah, just having having that ability to you know reconcile your accounts in yeah. five minutes and all that kind of stuff. Like you know having having that in place and having your you you know your pick time gallery set up so that you've got the shop working and. Um, you know your album designing and all of that kind of stuff like there's so many other parts to to running a, a photography business or especially wedding photography business that are outside of just that that shooting shooting time so okay so we've got 20 percent is spent on those sort of activities you're going to test my maths now oh no no, 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 you no. Don't have to. we can be it doesn't even have Let's, to add up to 100. no no okay cool cool, cool, we're, cool. For to, we're, we're in the creative industry doesn't have to add up to that's 100, right because right? <laughs> we will give 110 percent, right absolutely. so that's really matter. so what do you reckon is actually taking pictures 15 yeah righto Cool. What about editing? 15. Okay, so we've got 30 plus 20, that's 50%. What are you doing the other half the time? That's all the operational side of it, I would say. And seeing yeah. clients, I suppose. Yeah, a bit of seeing clients, but really, I mean, like I was saying before, I've got that meeting space. Yeah. You know, that probably gets, well, when I'm when it's not COVID. Um, it might ha- see three couples a week and on a good week. Right, right. Know? But you'll be, um, I mean, seeing couples is also typing at them. Absolutely. You know, yeah, typing and calling. And, and that's one calls. thing that I find is real. Getting people on the phone is is so important in terms of chatting to potential clients. So either on the phone or in person, you know, getting people to your studio is not always an option. So being able to get across in, in your email, hey, let's just catch up for a chat. Because the amount of advertising you can do by just having a good old conversation with a couple or yeah. a person just to to be able to bring into the conversation some of your experience and knowledge in that initial chat that is not a sales pitch is just such a big part of part of it so you know i think the more time that couple, that people can spend photographers can spend talking with potential clients is a really big thing as well so i try to make that a bit of a focus um but yeah, so that other fifty percent would be between yeah. admin, meeting clients, admin, bookkeeping, marketing, album yeah. design. It's it's insane, isn't it? It's mm. it's not the it's not the thing that we we think about when we look at an industry from the outside and mm. and, uh, and and I, I think everyone no no one's surprised and things aren't as glamorous as we might think they are. No, uh, and I think it also just depends on how you want to run your business. Like you can outsource so many of those parts of yeah. of your job like you could have a bookkeeper that deals with all of your bookkeeping and you can have an editor that comes and does your editing but obviously that affects your your bottom line yeah. but if that then gives you more time to be out there shooting another job then you know if you can build your business around that sort of business model then that's not a bad way to go as well yeah um i think though you, mean you can't outsource yourself and a lot of that stuff yeah. is that's what's where it's made would tell me uh uh, anecdotally, if you get to meet with some, what's the odds that they're going to be your client? Oh, 85%. Yeah. If you can get them in the door so to have a conversation, not because you're going to make sure they sign on, sign on yeah, yeah, before they leave, Yeah. but um, it's just that 
getting that personality across, you know. And that's not to say that there's not four other photographers in your local area who have a similar personality who they would also book. It's just having put in those um, points of contact yeah. between initial inquiry to having them sitting in front of you. Um, if you've if you've done that right, then if you've got them to the point of actually coming and sitting with you, then you know you're you're ninety percent of the way there. So that so makes complete sense. That it does. It is so hard to get that in person meeting because out of that in person meeting comes the client. Mm. You know that comes the yeah the thing. So it's natural that it's going to be a really hard mm. last. They say in retail, it's the, uh, the the they call it the one yard in the in the states, the last yard, and that's across the counter. Right. Once they're across the counter, it's it's fine, but it's getting them in and then getting across the counter. And, and it's getting that final yard sorted a lot later in Australia. And quite often it's getting the groom across the final yard. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, you know, when you start dropping numbers like four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 to have a photographer for your day, it, it becomes, uh, I don't know, whether it's, you know, quite often the first thing that the groom hears about said photographer is, oh, we're going to catch up with this guy and my first question would be, okay, how much is it going to cost me kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so having that, uh, number one, how, how much is it going to cost me and how can someone charge that kind of money for one day's work? And as we've just been uh, you know, discussing, there's a lot more than just that one day's work, obviously. Yeah. Um, but get, if, you can, if you can get some time with the groom just for him to see that, oh, actually this guy's just like me. He's yeah. just a regular dude. Um, that's a massive part of it as well. Uh, and then they see the value in it. And that's what it's all about, I think, is, is getting them to see that there's value in having a certain type of personality around them on their wedding day. You know, It's not just the camera. Uh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that side of it. I mean, it, it mm. makes sense mm. uh, as being the person who slows the, the spending around the place because I'm, I mean, I'm, not yeah. say, I'm not suggesting that Kate in any way waste money, but she's more comfortable with things. <laughs> and she does it, she buys great stuff. It's not a problem. Yeah, but yeah. I, yeah you dig, first, dig yourself first, out of that hole. I'm mate. the guy yeah, that yeah, yeah. freaks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. a nightmare. And that may not be the case in all relationships, of course. But um, <laughs> No, no, we're generalising here. Yeah, yeah, we are. But like um, two white guys can generalise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're sitting down. <laughs> we haven't even got a beer. We're drinking water. No, no. How disappointing is that? It's, after, it's, it's 12 o'clock somewhere. We should be drinking a beer. What is this? It's really something wrong here. So, I wouldn't class you in a traditional, if this is such thing as a traditional sense, but as an influencer, like in no. the world of influencers, what we've got now that Definitely we got not. stuck with, right? Yep. And I don't think there's really anything wrong with it. It's just a different breed of person. Mm. Do you think, like, is it a real thing? Is it good for a business to be an influencer or is it just a, a Bit of a distraction. I mean, we both know influencers who we love and we we think very highly of, and I'm not don't want to put them down in any way possible. No, not at all. Yep. But you run a, a you know a good strong business, and yet you're not an influencer in that world. Is, is yeah? Do you think you need to be? Or did you want to be? No, that- not particularly. I don't like spending much time on Instagram or, or Facebook. To be fair, um, it's just a tool in my business. Really, um, I love spending a bit of time flicking through and having a look and seeing what's going on um, in the world. But I, I never sort of set out to to influence necessarily. Yeah. I'm, I'm there if someone wants to get in touch and, and ask a question. Um, but I don't see it as a – I see a lot of influencers as – this may be a generalisation as well, but they're there selling 
something besides just their photography potentially, whether it's presets or, you know, products or maybe they're ambassadors for a certain brand and things like that. And that's fantastic. Um, and there's great value in what they offer. Uh, but yeah, it's not something that I've kind of ever felt like I needed to be yeah. within. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't present at workshops. I've never done that. I think I'd probably wet myself. Um, well, I let you know now. You haven't done it here. I don't see any puddles. This on is the fine because I'm in one room with just you, Paul, and <laughs> <laughs> it's safe. It's a safe space, it's kind of. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Although I've thrown some tricky questions. Yeah, but we can edit them out. That's okay. Oh, if I've right. done, if I've can done we? poorly, yeah. But um, yeah. So no, I don't sort of yeah see that as something. No, I'm just curious. I, I was wondering whether it's a little bit akin. I've used that metaphor again. Uh, you know, as a sports star, I mm. get five years to make good and i think as an influencer there's a limited amount of time you've got to be in that spot before people go oh, know all about you found all found all about you next yeah and um and yes you get the gear for a little bit of time but i don't know if it's a sustainable that's that's my that's my thing i don't know mm. if it's a big thing to, i mean it would be amazing to have the combination of those things that yeah you got all that stuff as well as you know and i, I you know i think um a Bailey Moore, I think Simon yeah. Moore and, and Sophia Bailey, I think they are in that that sort of rare space where they are actually doing mu- both without putting any great attention to being influenced. They've just kind of ra- risen to the top mm. and happen to be able to present in that world as well. Yeah, I mean they're exceptional at their craft and and they're um, they're great educators as well. And I think with influence comes the position for education as well and i think um that's where there's certain influences that are influences that i certainly admire and respect and yeah. and follow yeah. because i learn from that as well um or i see that there is potential in the future to learn from it in terms of whether they're going to be running a workshop or something yeah. that there's um, always something to learn isn't there it's absolutely yeah yeah and i think it's easy to get so bogged down in the day to day and the the 85% that we talked about that um, yeah. you miss the opportunity to do a lot of that additional growth stuff. So you yeah. know, the awards was a part of my growth as well. I've learned a shit ton in terms of setting that up and, and trying to help run that and facilitating a group of people to help me run that. Um, Stopping the grind, getting out, doing something different yep. that's still is allied to what you do. Yeah, but outside your comfort zone potentially as well. Right, right. Um, and that's where entering awards can also be. Yeah important because that can put you right especially outside. Especially if you're new to all that, you know, especially if you've not done anything along those lines, it's it's yeah. a great way of getting you out of your shell, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, and I think, so that's where, yeah, definitely there's there's space for, for the influencers and the educators, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's wonderful. Um, I mean, I think perhaps we're going to need another word for influencer because yeah. unfortunately because of what, you know, the, the well, they've, they've certainly struggled with lockdown you know, the photograph of the woman walking along the beach holding a hand out behind her, dragging her husband with her. Yes. You're assumingly the, dragging her yeah. partner behind with her, whatever it is. Mm. They're fallen flat on their face and, and, as, and often seen as, as empty a promise as mm. it actually seems to be and as destructive to everyone looking on, wishing they were that person with a destination, you know, yeah. living that lifestyle. Yeah. That's, that's a different influence of what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the picture that comes to my mind in terms of – know outside of the wedding photography industry for example the, of the person that i certainly look up to and and i think there's probably about three million other people who who follow is chris burkard 
Oh, um, right. The, you, you know yeah. his work, yeah. And so he's someone who I think does it exceptionally well in, in terms of, um, you know, I've sent him messages and he's replied directly. And I just can't even imagine how many people he would have sending messages to that he's taking the time to respond to. And I know it's him. I know it's not someone that's doing it for him. Yeah. Um, or he's got someone who's exceptionally clever at doing it for him. Um, but, you know, just even bringing his family into it and his trips out on the road, mountain biking through the mountains and all the sorts of things that he does that are just his spare time, but he's still sharing it with everyone. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have a hidden agenda behind it. He's, he's just doing it. Obviously, he's got his wonderful books and he's, he's always busy and he's an ambassador for Sony, I think, and um, either that or he just spends a, a hell of a lot of money with them. Um, but, yeah, so there's people like him who I think, you know, yeah. they are the real influencers. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. I agree with you. And I, there is a, a time pie that's been cut up. Mm-hmm. And there's only so many ways you can cut it up. We've only got so many hours in our life and mm. that kind of stuff. He, No doubt in what he's doing, he's left something out of his time pie. He yeah. must have. He, he has to have. Oh, you have to make sac- – there's got to be a sacrifice yeah. or an imbalance there, you would think, but – from what we see, I, yeah, I mean, he's either found a way to add more than 24 hours to a day or, yeah, there's something that... Maybe he doesn't sleep. Or he's great at outsourcing and he's got that plan that's exceptional. You know, he's got a team of guys that work for him. So yeah, he probably doesn't spend a lot of time sitting in front of a computer editing. Or watching Netflix. Or Netflixing and chilling. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully he still does a bit of that. Though. What's that li- a line I absolutely adore is um, don't mistake your backstage for someone else's on stage yeah. so when you look at these people you go oh how do they do all this stuff yeah. Yeah. and you look at your own life and yeah. you're trying to get out there in front of it because in many ways these things are a stage and stages are often put up with cardboard and True. And, and paint and, ta- and tarpaulins and things yeah. no, and there's no substance to it what's what i'm trying mm. to say yeah and some of them it is and that's that's interesting but yes there is a time thing we got to we got to divide up. Do you think that I know you've done a few destination weddings and you've done some destination work? Yep. You know, so you've done that that world that makes you kind of feel like you're sort of touching on the edge of it. Mm-hmm. But you must have felt at some stage I could do this, but I can't do this and this and this. Oh, absolutely. What do you think you've given up for, for that? Oh, well, there's been experiences I've had that I haven't been able to share with my family, which is a, a, probably the key. Right, key yeah, thing yeah, yeah. I would say, like where I've you know I was in Hawaii eighteen months ago for a wedding um, in Maui, and that was an ex- amazing experience, obviously. And it's important to have your own experiences as well, obviously. It's but, um Yeah, you know, there's times there where you go, "Wow, I just wish that Carrie and the boys were here to see this," you know. Yeah. Or um, you know, I went down to the North Shore and watched the Pipe Masters, which was a bucket list kind of item for me, you know, to be able to see Kelly Slater and. Yeah, all those legends um, surfing. So you know, I had a few days down there by myself, which was it was epic. It was amazing. It was um, something I I will remember forever. But there were things like that where I was like, ah, oh, it would just be cool to have the family here. So you, you, but to afford to take the whole family there, I'm not I'm not a Jose Villas charging. Yeah. you know, fifteen, uh, hundred fifty, hundred fifty grand. No, I <laughs> know. Oh yeah, and the rest. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be able to afford to do that. So there's yeah. been other trips where we've, you know, we've managed to go to Fiji for a wedding and, and took the family on that. So there's ways of incorporating it into your life, but um, you certainly miss out on things. And obviously, you know, like yourself, Paul, you would know that when you go away on a trip, you come back to a, an inbox, 
that's full of more work potentially or stuff that you've had to s- put off for a couple of weeks to come back to. Yeah, because if you, if you try and do it while you're away, you're kind of taking away the time you're not being present out there. Yep. Yeah, so you've got to be able to switch off. And I think that's a big thing, obviously, with business as well is yeah. being able to switch off from it, which is probably the hardest thing I find. Yeah. So tell me, um, uh, I love asking shitty questions. Sure. Um, how old are you now? 44. Okay, cool. That's a great age. How are you feeling about the industry? And, and like, I've always f- had this feeling that wedding photography is tough to be not 25, 26, 27, 28 in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough not to be in your 30s in. How are you feeling about it? I mean, I think you're a, there are a few exceptions. I know quite a few people that are like they're sprightly, they get around, they connect really well. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to connect with those couples. Absolutely. They're going to know, and you don't want to connect that you're the granddad. No, Uncle or I'm Arthur, old enough to be the dad. Which is what I would yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> you no, know? not at all. And then it gets to the point where your kids are old enough where you're looking at them, you're going, well, they could be my grandchildren. Yeah, or she um, could be my daughter. I'm old enough to be her dad. I think there's yeah. a use-by date that happens. Absolutely. And I there are, there there's, in saying this, there are complete exceptions to the rule. Mm. Uh, how are you feeling about that in your career and your... Do you think about it? I do. Yeah, I certainly have been the last couple of years. Um, my knees are probably, <laughs> they feel like they're about 55, 60-year-old oh, no, knees. Really? Um, and I think that's just from a lot of crouching and squatting and roll, crawling around on your knees at receptions around the tables and yeah. stuff on cold concrete and things like that. But, um, yeah, you've certainly got to have a contingency plan, I think, or, you know, you've got to plan for the future. And I, I don't want to be that that wedding photographer that's that's um you know 55 60 still shooting weddings picking up whatever you can get and competing against the 20 25 year olds who are unless you're the rock star that they need like i think yervant has been in that role Mm -hmm. i don't know if he is now but he has been in that role yeah where people will seek him out and jerry jonas or yeah guys like that yeah. yeah yeah they're seeking them out for the name and of course it would mean less work than they had before but they're charging enough they really didn't have to do more than a dozen a year yep. at any rate. Yep. Um, yeah, so I guess it is a case of whether you are trying to be that that at that level and yeah. that, that kind of a photographer, I guess. Um, and I don't doubt that you can you can build your your profile and your um, your personality, as in your business personality and your business brand to, to be that person. Yeah. I guess it's then just a case of whether that is what you want to do. Um I, don't get me wrong, I love shooting weddings and I always have. Um, I always get a great buzz out of out of being there and, and providing the experience. The The photographs are a bit of a byproduct, that, but it's obviously something that is a very important byproduct that, that you get an equal kick out of in terms of the satisfaction that you get from producing something that brings people to tears or great joy for many, many years. But, yeah, you certainly have to think about contingency plan beyond weddings um i would still like to stay connected to the industry which is also probably where the wedding awards has come from as well because i can stay connected with you know i'm always in conversation with these six incredible judges who are from spain and new zealand and australia and the uk and europe and you know being able to have those conversations in canada and you know everywhere um that's been really enriching and i want to continue that so I would like to hope and work towards shooting less weddings but still maintaining a presence there and keeping that business running and then having the wedding photography competition so that I can stay connected and current as well. And then, yeah, just seeing where the 
boat floats with the rest of it. I think. So you're not you're not chasing portraits and not chasing. No, like my 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 studio is in a prime spot right next to a cafe, and and I could be in a, picking in a young up suburb, a young suburb with lots of young families with, and with, with a bit of money. Yep, yep, and great laneways and streetscapes and lots of great places to shoot family stuff and. But it's the sales side of it that I'd struggle with, I think. And maybe you could do it without that. But I don't – I'm not a big fan of sitting down and kind of going, okay, you can have this set of three canvases and it'll yeah, be $1,500 yeah. $1, or whatever it might be. Um, I'd kind of let – yeah, that's that's probably just not me. Um, no, it's, it's a really – a very different business. Yeah. And there's some photographers that do an amazing yeah, job Yeah, yeah. And, and there's I some love it. photographers do a terrible job and ruin – the, the, the thought of going yeah yep. you know yeah well not so much photographers it. but machines yeah. they're, they're yeah. a business machine they're not so much yep. providing an uh, well they're providing a mcdonald's style service and we all know mcdonald's we have it yeah fine we know what it's all about yeah uh, trouble is the general public it's very hard to tell a mcdonald's apart from well not ha very hard but it is difficult from an outsider to tell a mcdonald's from uh, an alfote you know yeah a great local high quality restaurant mm. yeah you don't want to be in the mcdonald's world no, that's right. So, yeah, I haven't really thought too far beyond. Um, you know, I do I do a little bit of sort of commercial work for some clients and some wineries, and um, I love the, the the food and the the winery side of things. Um, I've shot a cook um, not a cookbook, a gardening book with a, oh, wow. a local gardener, which was awesome. Cool. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So, yeah, there may be some some sort of future in in that side of things. Um, yeah. Watch that space as well. Yeah, I don't really know. I know. I just think about it because I I, I sit I and do, I watch yeah. and and I know enough people that have gone past and they're like and they haven't been thinking about it. Yeah, and I don't want to make your life difficult, but say you should be thinking about it because you know <laughs> you're thinking about. It. But these people are like, well, where's it all gone? You go, yep. dude, have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? Yep. Like you got to connect with these people. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, obviously, staying fit and healthy and and. Um, youthful as best you can is is really important um and beyond that i'm not sure you know obviously keeping keeping up to up to speed with where the industry's at and and you know having some understanding of the the industry in terms of the fashion and keeping in contact with with those suppliers is really important as well and keeping your yeah you've got a really good network i I can see on your website a really good connection with all those suppliers that you work with. Yeah, you know the yeah. the florists and the venues yeah, and, and venues. all that kind of stuff. And and some of that is um, comes back to the SEO stuff we were talking about, obviously right. as well, because right. um, but it's um because it's it's obviously good if a bride is looking for a, a a wedding venue and she types in the wedding venue. If you've SEOed your site well to that wedding venue, then it's obviously going to pop up. Somewhere, yep. somewhere yep. there for them to find you, yep. but it's also a great place for them to have a resource to be able to to go into to yeah. say, hey, if you need a good celebrant, head here and get them spending more time on your website from that side of things. Because obviously, Google loves seeing people clip clicking around within your website, knowing that they've found something that's relevant, and yep. relevance is so important with SEO and with your website as well. So. And that's the way it should be. And, and mm. I know the fact that you can game it is just a fact. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. It's um, how you game it, I it's think. It's how is. you do it and, yeah. and how genuine you are about yeah. it and how genuine a product you are at the end. Yeah. Uh, and I think Google, they, they want to do that and they should continue to, to want to do that. Yeah. I mean, otherwise our, um, our um, what's our world going to be? You know, it's mm. just full of manipulation. And yeah. they know that, even though I think a lot of the world has been uh, 
broken because of this. Yes. Uh, yeah. And we know Facebook has been, I was going to ask you how comfortable you are with Facebook, but how could anyone be comfortable with Facebook except for maybe, mm. you know, Donald Trump? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Mark Zuckerberg, you know, yes. people raking yeah. the money and, the, and their yeah. board raking the money in from, it's, it feels awful to have to like loan ourselves to that and be a part of the cog yep. system that makes it work and be part of their income. But my God, it's a great tool where you can, mm. so I want to see everyone who's unmarried, who's 35. Yeah. Oh, in the this, way you can drill this, down. Like it's nuts. Yeah. Who's been looking for wedding rings or, you know, yeah, I know. searching for I'm wedding dresses. These pages. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I know. It is no wonder that, um, I mean, I think in many ways I do appreciate it as being a visitor to those sites that I'm not seeing adverts that make me feel, they're adverts that I like about mm. stuff I like, and yeah. I, and I'm really pleased with that. But I think that's a pretty poor trade in for handing over my entire identity in person. But yeah. ha- but I'm happily get yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you get around it? How do you get like, around it? How do you live these days? Yeah. Well, look, it's been um, it's been an hour, you know. Jeepers. I know. How about that? Well, very close to an hour now, but. That's enough that anyone would want to listen to us, surely. <laughs> not at all. You've been a wonderful guest. Is there anything you want to bring up before we uh, sign off? Oh, not really, mate. I'd thank you for um, what you and Atkins team does for Pleasure. the industry. Um, we couldn't be here doing what we do as well as we do without thank you. you. Um, I also believe you have a birthday <laughs> coming up. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. But this, one, this will be out this Sunday. So it'll be... Oh, you will have been 50 be days, y'all. I'll be 50 for days. Yes, yep. so I do have a birthday coming up. Awesome. Thank you very well, much. Well, happy birthday for tomorrow. Thank you, my friend. Um, but yeah, otherwise, obviously, if anyone's listening and they are interested in the awards, yeah. please go check them out, iwpoty.com. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that's in the show notes. Awesome. Um, but yeah. That's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. Thanks, Thank man. you. And I know you, we've thrown some curveballs at you. Oh, good. Difficult questions that... I. I I don't want to be unkind, but I think people want to listen to this stuff to have that conversation to go, how is he really feeling about this? And yeah. you've been so candid. It's been wonderful. Oh, uh, thanks, mate. I think it shows that you're really on top of your game and there's no way <laughs> that you won't be a you know, leading photographer you know, in the future and, and power ahead with it. I don't think you've got anything to worry about, Luke. Thanks, mate. We'll soon see, hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tick, tick, tick is the ticking time bomb of, of this it. year goes. Absolutely. 2020 will be done. Yep. We'll be fine. We'll all survive. Be going ahead. If we support each other. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, mate. How about those kids, Henry and George? How about that? Henry and George is just classic name combo. I know, but your sister, and his kids are older than, yes. than, 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 your, than your sisters, but they got a Henry and George too. How lovely. My Henry and George are very, very beautiful. I think Luke would say the same about his And Henry I'm and sure they are. I haven't seen them. I can't make an assessment. But if they take after their parents, then they're probably pretty fucking sure good-looking kids. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice interview. Yeah. Tell me, what do you think that Luke... I mean, uh, without having Luke here, so we're going to talk about him, not to him. What do you think that Luke could do to up his game a little bit? Oh, my God. What the fuck kind of question is that? I don't know. I mean, this is the thing. All of this stuff, we're in... Do you think he's selling enough product? No, of course he's not. Is anyone selling enough product? No one's selling enough product <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Sell another fucking 8x10, you lazy bastards. I don't know. <laughs> I, I Look, I, I think that everybody right now is in a position of, huh? You know, like we're none of us know what the fuck we're going to do in a minute. I mean, I've got a list a mile long of, of stuff I'm supposed to be doing for the lab and, 
new products and this thing and that thing. And we're all just kind of stumbling around thinking, we're just going to keep going like before. I mean, I think I, I feel... see. You're talking about because of the world's pivoted so much in the last three or four months. We just don't hell? know what's next. I know. But what can you do? But just keep on track what you think you were going to do. I don't know. It's and really interesting when I look at my... Because um, I have a news feed on Apple News or whatever, whatever, Reddit, whatever. And there'll be stuff because I'm quite interested in fashion and there'll be these like people, these articles like, you know, look at what this celebrity wore and that thing and the other. And it's suddenly so staggeringly irrelevant and I oh. I don't quite know how to get around that. And it's funny, these people, like all these shops sending me, you know, fashion shops going, hey, don't you need a new pair of jeans? I'm like, why would I need a new pair of jeans? I don't leave the office. I don't do anything. I don't see anyone. I'm never, I probably won't travel for another two years at this yeah. point. And so how does, how is that all going to feed into all of these businesses? I've got no fucking did clue. You, did you listen to the episode of whatever the podcast was that Anthony Fauci on it? You know, the henter, uh, head of the Centre for Disease. Yeah, I know who US. Anthony Fauci is. He's well, based. the listeners might not. Um, but the, he said, and he was, was referring to the pandemic in 1916, 17. Yeah. And he was, his feeling is that, you know, a couple of years, this this virus will just be a part of the viruses we're dealing with. He doesn't think it's it's a world-ending thing. But your point is, I don't need next year's fashion. I need to think about next year's fashion. His point is, it's gonna. We're gonna get back to some degree of normal where all this stuff will matter and we'll get on with it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess that's what he thinks. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how. <clears throat> when the biggest, most powerful economy in the world loses what is going to be anywhere upwards of three hundred, four hundred thousand people, um, due to an illness that's been completely unmanaged by their government. I don't know how that what effect that has on the rest of the world yeah i mean uh, you know the reality is that photography is a local experience so uh, unless you're jose villa and being flown around the world on your private or jet not. or not i don't think he flies on a private jet come on he flies on a private no, jet. he doesn't he might fly first he flies. totes flies on it but he's not going anywhere because whatever jose call me i love you no, no. it's fine <laughs> no one is allowed to travel yeah 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 i know so but not even jose. No, i know but certainly I, not accepting oh Americans. my god man what i'm saying is that this stuff is local and i think in australia there was an element of like oh we're going to be fine because we handled it really well the first wave was fine and now everything's falling apart in melbourne and so now it's like oh crap it's not fine you know, like, it's not actually fine. And so I think that's the thing that I feel is nerve-wracking at the moment in a way that it wasn't even two weeks ago. Like, three weeks ago <clears throat> or a month ago when I went to the Black Lives Matter protest, you know, there was, there was I think, an element of we're, we're, we're good, we, we made it. And now, and at the time I was like, no, I will go to the Black Lives Matter protest because it's really important to me and it's important to Indigenous people in Australia and all the rest of it. And then I went along and it was fine and now there's like Sydney people are going to do Black Lives Matter protests and I'm going, no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> I still think in the great scheme of things this will appear a, a big moment in history but it will be relegated to this is what that happened and we'll be back, whatever. So the point with what, you know, what to do next with your business is 
you know, look at what's worked in the last six months and keep working on that. And yeah, and we, I, we but I think we can't that forget that photography is is one of these products that really, I mean, nostalgia and family and all that stuff is such a big thing. Yeah, and I think in the world, I regardless of the era, that's the thing to think about. Is that the reality is that photography is a um, is a is a thing that is specifically photography that goes on within like family photography, wedding photography, boudoir, whatever, whatever. Pet. Babies, yep. It's a it's about relationships and I think that that's the thing that's been highlighted by the corona more than anything else. The importance of relationships. Yeah, and the importance distance. of other people. Yeah. yeah. And so <clears throat> do I how do you up your game inside of that spectrum? I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot less game and a lot more um, honesty about stuff, and I I hope that that authenticity. Will, yeah, well, I just hate that word, but yeah, I hope that that will enable people to rethink their business models in a way that's more um, honest to the market as well. I don't know; it'll be interesting, but I I mean, you know, I think things like the big studio, like you know, charge charge one hundred and twenty bucks, give them a glass of champagne and some makeup, and and, and then charge $4,000 for a by 10 or whatever. Like that's been dying for a really long time. Yeah, I know, um, I know. It's, that's nothing new, but this has just brought it more into focus, <laughs> the need to focus on stuff that's that's real and good and well-made. and. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's been st- – like we've had some clients this week launch some really exciting things, little video things and, um, and interesting twists on what they're doing. So I think – I think that it's about thinking differently in your business and thinking differently in, uh, about your life. And then, <coughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so bloody coffee. I need the, <coughs> I need the coffee cough cough stick. That's the button. The cough button. The button there. Um, and I think people will be able to think. I think what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to go, and have their you know come to Jesus moment. They're like, what am I going to do? What does this mean? Well, it's Am I going to stay home and look after my kids and therefore photography is perfect? Am I going to go back to work and be an accountant, therefore photography is irrelevant? Am I going to stop doing weddings and go hammer and tong into babies or like you know that I think that's where it is and that so then how does how does Luke Simon up his game? He doesn't. Yeah. Luke Simon thinks about what Luke Simon wants in his life, in his broader life like we all are. Yeah. And then works it out from there. That's a great answer. It's a great answer. That's an awesome, awesome answer. Well done. Took me. What are we been recording? Probably for about fourteen minutes. minutes. No, that was the yeah. Anyway, yeah, and the fourteen before that. Are you ready for your moment of color? Oh shit! Okay, Frank, you're going to come and color no, me. No, you can't. For the of You've got to be take the moment of color in a nice way. It's it's a good thing. I know it's a good thing. It's just it's so nerdy and geeky, and I'm so. Can not. you not pretend to be interested just a little bit? I will pretend to be interested. I'll get Frank and cuddle him, and be interested at the same time. Okay, so here we go. So this week's Moment of Colour, we're talking about CMYK, okay? So not even getting a response out of her, looking across the room, cuddling her dog. She's coming back to the microphone. What do you think of CMYK, Kate? CMYK sucks balls, Paul. Why do you think it... (laughs) What what don't you like about the four colours that are cyan, magenta, yellow and K for black? Because it takes your photograph and makes it look shit. Okay. Well, it is a a lowest common denominator... (coughs) type of a thing really isn't it so i mean I, let's be clear i have worked in cmyk for 25 years 
because I've been a graphic designer for that time and every time you would go to press, you are prim- primarily printing in CMYK. Well, you are printing in CMYK or in solid Pantone colours. So I don't... I don't. What's the, what's the difference between Pantone colours and CMYK? Well, Pantone are made up of actual physical inks that make the colour. So, so a co- if you look at a Pantone chart and you see a colour on that chart, yeah. there's a mixed up pot of paint yeah. that makes that colour. Correct. Or po- a pot of ink that yeah. goes in a, in a press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas so that's CMYK why, And that's why you can get, in Pantone, you can get metallics and fluorescence. Yeah. That you cannot, no matter how much you mix, get any of that in. Out of the CMY, so CMYK. magenta yellow yeah. and black, you can't mix them to get. Correct. You can simulate, you can get close with some of the colours, yeah. but a lot of them are out that range. Yeah. So Pantone is an additional ink that goes in And there. if anybody, if any any photographer is in doubt of this, just go into Photoshop, take an image and convert it to CMYK. Yeah. So, so uh, in, in which case, if CMYK plus one Pantone... Would be a six color pro, a uh, five color process, right? Plus two cant pantones would be a six color. So when you say that, you you're talking about traditional press printing. Yeah. So which why we're talking about CMYK is because it came up last week as far as soft proofing goes with our conversation and yeah. about CMYK. Because a lot of people, and if I said to you, and let me, I'm Mister Klein, I know nothing, you st- and and my press has said to me, get from your designer the image file in CMYK. What do, would you do? What have I? Me tra- as a graphic what designer. What has Paul Atkins trained you to do when I someone asks you for a CMYK file? I would assign a colour. Oh damn! Fuck! No, no, no! You meant no. to say the answer is just say no. I won't do that for you. Give what? me more information. Tell me how to do it. Hang on. What do you mean? Well, the idea is if you get requested to provide the digital image file that you've taken in CMYK. If a printer like Quick Copy. Yeah, it says I need it in CMYK. Yeah, I send so them in CMYK. You don't because there are so many different kinds of CMYK. No, because the thing is, you live in the land where you can you have this fantasy that all of these dumbass knuckle draggers that are running fucking <laughs> printing companies. Hey, hey, no when press press printing companies. Digital press. Digital whatever. It's all fucking digital. No one's running around making a They are. There's direct chromite. No, there are pro- oh, presses Oh, nobody's doing. doing that. So what I mean is, oh, no, my phone's ringing. My sister is calling me and I have to switch it on to – I'm a hot mess Just today. Just keep Shut talking up. about – So if you, you are in the land where you think that everybody who's running a press print, print company of some description that's not a photographic lab, has a profile. They do not. If I rang up okay, press so printing company number 347 and said, I'm sorry, you've requested a CMYK file. I require the specifications no, of no, CMYK. No. They'll go, no, it's sorry. Yes, you can have a custom CMYK profile for every press setup, but that's unrealistic, as you've just said. No, not but custom. Are, they don't even know the basic yeah, one. There are Is some it Fogra? Yes, so there are some standards that press operations work towards. But and they don't, if you leave babe. it to the default for what Adobe installs, uh, US web coated, it doesn't work for Australian conditions. Australian conditions are expecting fog of 39. Exactly. So, so it's up to the printing press. Pay. You, the, the first thing is you don't give it to them in CMYK. You say, would you like to convert it for me? That way the mistake becomes theirs when they do a bad conversion. Okay. So you are working in a land that does not exist. No, I'm not. That's not the case. Because well, which are, printer is this printer that's well, doing this? If you if you if you ring up the local digital press, they will tell you Fogra thirty nine. Who? Quick copy around yeah, the corner. Yeah. Well, that's because that one guy in there has a brain. <laughs>
Zip. Squeak, squeak. Zip, zip, zip. Pew, pew. Okay, so we... You need to talk into the microphone. We... We hit stop because we were having an argument. Because <laughs> we both have have had experience we with CMYK, and we both have opinions on this. Well, yes, and of course I'm right. So it takes a while for you to get to that. You're point. never right. I am constantly and consistently right. So we stopped because we were we were getting pissed off with each other. Put your phone on. on it silent. is already on silent, and it is you. Look, calls and notifications will be silenced while your phone is locked. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do believe that's me being right again. Cut this out. Cut this out, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is that what what we argued about is that you feel that the, the CMYK printing industry should, quote-unquote, should have standards around colour profiles. And that the only way they're going to get that, you correct me if I'm wrong, but the only way they're going to get that is if people ring up and ask for the colour standards. They're used to getting pressed on it. Yes. And I have a, I felt very strongly, still feel very strongly, that what happens when a photographer calls a printer is they tend to already be behind the eight ball. So often it's a photographer who's downloaded a template from Designer Glow or wherever and often it's a US template so it's in really weird sizes and it's in inches and no press guy knows what the fuck to do with inches and often they've done the text in Photoshop so the text is flattened as a graphic which makes every press guy laugh his ass off and it becomes a whole thing, right? And so often what you end up having is a photographer who is already behind the eight balls, really inexperienced with sending stuff to press, and often it's an ad that they're spending a lot of money on and it's going to go into a magazine or whatever or a newspaper or a local rag, whatever it is. And they then are then – so they're already potentially on the back foot because they've had issues with fonts or they've had issues with the format and the size and whatever, and then they're going to go in and go, oh, by the way, I would like a profile, and – if the if the uh, printer, as the majority of printers, don't have fucking any clue what profiles are, let alone what they're running, they will then have more reason to hate the photographer who's ringing, um, and and have a fight with them. And I I am protective of photographers because as you are because and you are you are doing the right thing. You are protect you are trying to protect the photographer from, from having a shitty image. A shitty print, you need to speak because it nodding doesn't come no, no. across on the <laughs> microphone, dickhead. No. If, if your work is not represented well in the way you're trying to output it, you're going to look like a drongo. Yes, and, and, that is, and that is really, really hard to deal with as a photographer when your work is printed poorly by a, by a magazine or yeah. a newspaper. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's something that you have a very limited amount of control over. Yeah. And you have an enormous amount of control over it when you come to us. Well, that's a good point. But I think uh, – so – So what I, I mean I, is that photographers are used to being able to go, this isn't good enough, reprint it. Correct. That doesn't you exist. You can't do that when you've done 700 Correct. magazines. So my, my feeling is that the world has improved with colour management at printers. I think it has. The problem is when you – But inst- we as Hang we on, were- let me finish. When you install Photoshop – you'll come up with US defaults. And Australian printing presses and printing systems don't use US defaults. Yep. So you need to go into Photoshop 
And I actually brought Photoshop up so that we could do this. Under the edit menu, under color settings, you change your working space for CMYK. By default, it's US web coated swap. Now, web coated, a web press is the way uh, like long runs of paper, big reels of paper run through a press. Most presses that we're dealing with that our clients will be putting in the industry, we're using sheet fed. Correct. So immediately the profile is incorrect because it's designed for United States web coated. And frankly, presses. hardly anyone's printing web in and the US anyway. That's right. And yeah, I know it's crazy. It's so coated, the coated aspect. So we explained the web part of it. The coated part of it is that the stock has a, a certain shine to it, a yeah. luster, a gloss, whatever. Yeah. The paper's not raw natural paper. Yeah. So. If you're going into a recycled paper magazine, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that comes into that makes this issue. In Australia, our default profile should be fog, a coated Fogra 39. Now, that's the like the second option down under the drop-down menu for CMYK yep. spaces. Your press should be able to tell you that they're closest to Fogra 39 because they basically target the press and the materials to one of those profiles. That's their... That's their CAN profile that they're working to. Ideally. Ideally. And you should ask them, do they have that? Some of them will give you a colour settings file, a .csf file that when you download it from the website or they send it to an email and you install it, it'll be an option in Photoshop when you go into the settings and the colour settings window, edit colour settings at the top, it says settings. In the drop-down menu, if you've put it in the right place, their colour settings file will appear there and then will give you the correct setup. And Kate, your point is that you're in your experience legitimately and, and your clients' experience, everyone you know, they've not had a good run with this and people have gone, what profile? You're a drongo, go well, away. Well, I mean, when we were in the middle of our fight, we went to a website of a, of a yeah, very major well, local printer. Very, very big, big known printer. They've got offices in Melbourne that they print out of and went to their website and it was about colour and it was a page from 2014 and it said, colour, convert from CMYK. Um, RGB to CMYK. That's right, from yeah, RGB to yeah. CMYK, which is like the, yeah. the exact thing I'm talking about. And, and, and this is not just my experience of dealing with printers because to be honest, I don't do this. I don't call the printer and go, what's your profile? Because I know what they're going to say. I always convert it to Fogra and that is just what I do. And and it works for me, right? It has worked. But it, there's also times it hasn't worked when like years ago I had something printed and it was it was just dreadful, a lot of hot reds in it and, and they, I, I they think, fucked it up. I think the so, years ago thing is the issue. It, it has gotten better. Okay. Well, I really hope that it has gotten yeah. better. I don't print with a huge range of press printers anymore, but – you know, I do print with that other company and yeah. they had and nothing on there. Nothing <laughs> and we've had how many conversations with them? Yeah. You know, and I've also had this issue when we got signage done and I had I had to sit on hold for hours while they all ran around trying to work out what the fuck a colour profile yeah, was. And right. not one person in that signage company, a massive signage company in Adelaide, knew anything about it. Yeah. And so this is where I'm I am hesitant to kind of go, oh, you ring them up and you ask them that because they, and the thing is, these guys are not going to go, oh, tell me, oh, great photographer, what does this mean? They're going to yeah. go, fuck off. Yeah. And you actually, you're involved with a magazine that was working through a printing place that the results of the magazine were terrible and you got the magazine to change to a different press. Yes. Because they, 
we're being unreliable with this. And they didn't give a shit and they had a fight with me in front of my client and they were yeah. horrible. Yeah. But the thing is that past this also is the issue that, for instance, there are a lot of magazines in Australia that are now printed in China. Yeah. And so what are you going to call China up and ask them what what press colour they're using? Yeah. And they might be completely organised and have it in, in, in hand. But generally the bog standard line for since the dawn of time is convert your RGB files to to CMYK and I had for years before you told me not to I would literally go up to colour mode and go and drag from RGB down to CMYK and that was it fuck yeah. knows what my files so you're were doing in. edit convert to profile CMYK now if you go into the edit colour settings and change that to Fogger 39 yeah that's and fine and go edit convert to profile and CMYK Fogger 39 you're fine. Yeah. Um, and, and you're not that, fine. You're not fine. No, you're not. You're about as good as you can do reliably. It. Yeah. Uh, unless – and the thing is what what happens is the digital file you give to the printer goes into a, a RIP. A RIP stands for a RAST Interpreted Postscript. It converts the image into dots like a TIFF file type of thing, which get turned into plates, which they get inked up as part of the process and gets put down in the paper. So um, the RIP – they're getting smarter and smarter and smarter. A lot of rips are accepting RGB files now. So it, it is getting better. It is absolutely 100% better than it was even five or ten years ago. The problem is the rub comes to it. You're about to commit to an expensive magazine ad and you're worried about how your image comes out. on. And if you're anything like me, you're doing it at the last minute. Uh, so you're doing minute. it at the last minute, you're doing it when all you've got is the spec sheets and you're doing it while you're cooking dinner and you're going, oh, fuck, I've got to get this in by six o'clock and the shop's already shut, you can't call people. And then you potentially have your, your ad bounced because yeah. if you don't get it in on the deadline, they just kick it your, kick you out. So the, and the, the other thing that I'd like to raise in here is there are a lot of photographers that I speak to who ask about, there are a lot of um, bride magazines out at the moment that use an uncoated stock. Yes. And it gives all of the images in the magazine a very specific look. Very flat. Very flat. Doesn't generate a nice black. That's right. There's not deep, dark blacks. The blacks are quite chalky. Um, the whites are also often not very white because the paper can have a really, like a really grey well, It's recycled white point. Be, and it's not bleached because yep. yep. bleach is a bad thing, you yep. know. Yep. And, and bleached paper, which makes it white and optical brightness, make it even super whiter. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you've got these grey, you've got these grey whites, you've got yeah. these flat back and it's a beautiful modern look but it can make an image look terrible and it can also make it if you've got really heavy editing where you've made your mid-tones really dark because it's used to being printed on very pale paper then you can have extremely dark muddy looking images when it's printed so like back in the day when we would put something into the paper for example you would change your settings on your files so that you had a really pale um, contrasty image because by the time you had the very dark grey of the newspaper print underneath it, that would counter some of the, the image that was missing in the ink. So that is all completely contrary to anything you would do in the photographic world. Yeah. And so this stuff, you know, I we could go on for hours on, on how you could or couldn't tweak and change and do things with your files, but I think that the, the one of the things that's really important is setting up expectations for clients and for photographers. So the expectations of a photographer when they're about to go to press with something, don't think it's going to look like it's come from Atkins. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't think it's even going to look like it's come from fucking Kmart because it won't. Mm. And, well, don't, and look, hang on, it might be really good, but I it think might the, be great. The odds are it's not going to be as great as you expect. Well, the at minimum hoped. it will be CMYK, which yeah. is in a very narrow color space in comparison to RGB. It doesn't matter what you do. That mm. minimum, that data is gone. Yeah. So that and and I guess from my perspective, I I would love photographers to have an opportunity to and this is something we're working on, to be educated around dealing with press printing and dealing with other printing outlets. So not just press printing but signage companies and companies where they might be getting little, um, you know, magnets made or handbags or, you know, all this stuff. There's a lot of different even things. The, even the mouse mats. Yeah, photographers do all sorts of stuff. And there's a whole range of different – like why do you not – is there a big difference when you send it a file when the, the, the font is, is is in Photoshop and it's flattened down? Is there actually a difference or not? And like that, that – Vector fonts versus raster. Yeah, yeah all yeah. that stuff. So that – I mean, that's for another day. But from a colour perspective, yeah. I was getting upset because – you were trying to be righteous, and that's normally my role. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the righteous one in this relationship. You're the compromiser, and you were not compromising. No, no, you I'm were being righteous because you've got B in your old man bonnet. I do have a B in my bonnet. But I think if – I mean, if you can approach – like giving yourself with a bit of time, if you can approach your uh, your printer and you can ask them, can you, can you specify a CMYK profile for me to convert to? Or would you take my RGBs and convert it for me? That's really the ideal because there are so many ways you can do it. It is if they're friendly about it. The thing Correct. is, if you go, can That's you why I said get, No, but you do it in plenty of time. I and you have that conversation. You say, I'm sure. nervous. I'm worried about my work. But just keep can in mind. But if you've, if you've prepped your file in, Photoshop, in InDesign yep. and you say, can you convert my file? They're going to go, well, you can send me the file and I'll just drag from the top, edit drag it down to see what well, I can. No, but look, that's that, what I'm saying. In a perfect world, in a perfect with the people world. that are friendly, you would be able to give them the RGB and they would convert it for you. Yes. And I think that's... An, I don't I know where my, that person is, well, but no, they exist the in your... The people around the corner. Yes, the people around the corner are lovely. Digital press are And how rare Indigo are they? Press. They, uh, I don't know. I haven't, I've only used them. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. And then you've got stuff like, you know, you send your stuff to Moo, for example. It's all online. There's no one to fucking ring and talk to. No. And I don't know what Moo's settings for colour is either. And I could be very wrong and they'll be going, here's a profile and it's custom and blah, blah, blah. But all their shit's printed in China anyway. So I don't I don't know. No. I don't know. But it, no. the thing is that... Be careful. Have, be, be careful. Have a conversation. Lower expectations. Lower your expectations. Throw yourself at the feet of the printer. Be organised. Be, be organised, always. <laughs> <laughs> Try to. But throw yourself at the feet of the printer. So... Ring them up and go, hey, I'm a photographer. I don't know what I'm doing. I know, very difficult words to say. But say that and then go, I'm really worried about the colour of my image. I'm not sure what I can do. Do you have any advice? Do you have a profile? Give them some options so that they don't feel like idiots when they reply. That's right. Because when they feel like an idiot, they get defensive and then they get shitty and then your work will really look like crap. As we all do. Because they're the ones in charge. Correct. So we just want to leave it at that. We want to thank... Don't <laughs> <laughs> you round we, this shit up we're now that we've had our fight. We, we, want to, we want to thank uh, Luke Simon for being a wonderful guest and for his yes. International Wedding Photographer of the Year, which in many ways has kept people's eyes and... It, and brains on wedding photography and good yeah. wedding photography, helping the industry like raise its game, helping people see wedding photography in a different light, that it's more than just everyone standing up like a firing squad type of a thing. Yeah. So, Luke, we love you. We, we think your work is fab. And um, 
we'd like to wish all of our wonderful listeners a happy week and we'll speak to you next week, huh? <laughs> Look at you. we got to drag it up, drag it up from the bottom of the ground. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> oh, sweetheart. It's okay. all right. You're only 50. It's Thanks, not like darling. you're 51. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>